0: I love you I've been doing that much on Wednesday night but I'm going to talk about that so that'd be a great way to start um, saying I love you uh, most of you know that last summer I went on a bicycle trip from coast to coast Atlantic Ocean to here It didn't quite make the Pacific Ocean just to Jefferson call that close enough and it took two months uh, to make that distance and it was about oh, 3,800 miles And uh, it was a great time. So the sermons I'm preaching on Wednesday night on 1 Peter, and then we'll move into 2 Peter, I did the bulk of my study on that bicycle trip. And I did it by listening uh, while I was riding. I have uh, hearing aids that Bluetooth with my phone, so I can download on my phone uh, sermons and also audiobooks that are about first Peter in regards to commentaries, etc. and so most of the day when I'm riding I'm listening and then in the evening I would write and um, I came home from the bicycle trip with 30 sermons um, not totally written out but basic outline taken care of and uh, so if you hear about me going bicycling this summer I'm going from Canada to Mexico it's only 29 days this year Uh, but I'm also going to go fishing in Alaska and um, did you know that while you're fishing you can listen and so I do sometimes if you're fishing with me and you walk up and start talking to me you'll think I don't like you because I totally ignore you the reason I totally ignore you is because I can't hear you I'm listening to John Corson or someone else preaching and he's pretty loud in my ears while I'm fishing. So I do that most of the summer, listen a lot and get sermons written. And so when I leave on uh, bicycle trips, et cetera, uh, I don't call them vacations, I don't call them sabbaticals, I call them study breaks. And so I get uh, much of, in fact, probably all the sermons I preach during the year uh, taken care of during the three months during the summer when I'm playing. Uh, just playing a little bit and studying a lot so this sermon was inspired uh, in Kentucky (laughs) that's where we were when I did this particular one so I can label each of my sermons on the state I was in when I I was listening and writing about it so we're going through first Peter and this will be the last sermon in chapter one and then we'll move to chapter two next week so 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, this will be a short section. Since you have an obedience to the truth, and this is sort of a positive statement he's making, he's saying, you have done this. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls, purified your souls, for, here's the reason why you purified your souls, for a sincere love of the brethren, Fervently love one another from the heart. Now that's the command. There's always in every section we go through sort of a a command. Sometimes it's short, three or four words. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. But there's the command that's in this section. Fervently love one another from the heart. That's imperative and it's a command. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass grass. And it's glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word which was preached to you. So in your notes, number one, during all of the persecution, remember this is a time of intense persecution. Christians are hiding, running for their lives, uh, being tortured. uh, And so Peter says, um, he commands to fervently love one another from the heart. And so that love during that time was very practical in the sense that it was a, a love that helped people. It was a love that met people's needs. It was a love that uh, gave people food. It was a love that gave people protection. It was uh, meeting needs, and they had all of them, uh, and so they would together uh, live and survive because they loved each other. First Peter 1 Peter 1:22 again, fervently love one another from the heart. The command, fervently Love one another from the heart. Number two, to keep that command, Peter says that we need to purify our souls. So we occasionally we'll get into conversations about the good old days a couple years ago during COVID, the good old days. And we can say, what was it that you enjoyed most about those good old days? I'm being facetious, you know. Uh, what was it that he didn't really like during the good old days? Oh man, I hated the masks. Hated those stupid masks. I hated that. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like having to wash my hands all the time. So I'm of the belief that you develop an immunity to bugs by not washing your hands. <laughs> you think? Are you serious? I won't tell you if I'm serious or not. You'll just have to check my hands out. So every place you went, they had this sanitizer. You put sanitizer on when you came into the church, when you're just washing your hands all the time. Why? Well, you wanted to get rid of all the bugs, the viruses, the germs, everything that would make you sick. And so you wash your hands over and over and over and over and over to get, uh, so that you didn't get a bug. First Peter 1.22, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls... Purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. Purify your souls is the way that you will be able to love those that are in your life. If you don't purify your soul, you won't be able to love fervently from your heart. So it would be a good thing to figure out what that means, if that's a key. To purify your souls, number three, means that we have forgiven anybody of anything and everything and we have cleansed ourselves of all bitterness so I just for fun googled worst virus for humans and the one that popped up was Marburg virus 100% fatal and second place was the Ebola virus which wasn't that long ago in Africa in the part of Africa where we're involved in Sierra Leone and Liberia that's where we have uh, a couple of about 30 schools and churches and Bible College and all kinds of ministry going on that's where that was and uh, that was 87 percent fatal according to my little article I read about the Ebola um, virus and crisis uh, that was there so that's physical physical body Most serious virus, Marburg or Ebola. You don't want to get those. So what's the most serious virus for your heart, your spirit, the real you on the inside? Uh, According to the Bible, the most serious virus you can get is bitterness because it totally poisons every system that you have, spiritually speaking. It is an awful disease that most Christians have to one degree or another bitterness and so Peter says purify your souls purify your souls get rid of bitterness get rid of bitterness number four bitterness is a terrible poison in our souls so we went through this before let me do it just a little bit this evening when I say I love you I'm not saying I like you I may I probably do but that's not what I love you means When I say, I love you, I'm not saying, uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I probably do, but that's not what I love you means. The average person, when they say, I love you, to their wife, to their kids, to other people, they say it basically as as a term of affection. That's not what it means in the Bible. In the Bible, I love you is a statement of commitment of what I will do, what I will do. And so what is it I am promising or committing to you I will do when I say I love you? Number one on the list, I will forgive you of anything. No matter how many times you've done it, no matter how bad it is, I will choose to forgive you. Why? Well, because Jesus has forgiven me. And that's what he has commanded me to do. To forgive you because he forgave me. No strings attached, you just do it because he commanded us to do it. I went to England a number of years ago. I got invited there to preach on prayer because they were going to have a big-name evangelist come in and preach a circuit through 10 cities and see if they could get a revival going. And they wanted me to come preach on prayer as a prerequisite to this revival in these same 10 cities. And so I did, and I I did that. And one of the churches I was in... um, I was talking about the reasons why God doesn't answer people's prayers. And I said, one of the key reasons is if you have bitterness in your life, that is, there's somebody in your life that you've chosen not to forgive, then God won't listen to your prayers. There was a young lady in the audience. I don't think she was hardly past 18. And she came out. It was a big church, bigger than this. And uh, she came out of the and she come marching up the aisle, and she got this far from me, and she literally screamed at me, and she told me, my father and his friends, as part of their satanic ritual abuse, raped me multiple, multiple times. I became pregnant. The baby they killed as part of a satanic uh, ritual ceremony. They're now in jail. And then she said, you expect me to forgive him. I mean, she was really angry at me. And I said, you know, it it isn't my idea. You know, if it were up to me, I'd say, beat him and shoot him and stomp on him and and put a rope on both ends of him and tear him apart, you know, just make his life. I didn't say all that. I'm thinking that. But uh, uh, it wasn't, wasn't my idea. I'm just telling you what God says, what his word says. Now, what you, I think, are thinking is that if you forgive him, that you're saying that what he did wasn't bad, that it was okay. That's not what you're saying when you forgive. You're just choosing to forgive, not because what he did was okay, but because God has forgiven you. And you don't have to do it, but there's some pretty serious consequences if you don't. And that's your choice. I heard back from the pastor of the church who came up at that point and got her, led her back um, out of the church, I think, went, but he, I heard back from him, and he said that it took a couple of months, but she, she had recovered almost fully from that bitterness that she had at that particular time in her life. Um, so we're, look at some poisons, consequences, price tags that you pay if you choose not to forgive Number five in your notes, know, if we do not forgive everyone of everything and anything, God will not forgive us. God will not forgive us. Now, we're not talking about salvation here in the sense of when you trusted Jesus Christ, God forgave you of your sins, and gave you the gift of eternal life. That's one arena of forgiveness. We might call that the legal aspect where you are forgiven so you get to live in heaven forever. But now as we live our life, we we sin. I sin, you sin, we all sin, and we need to be forgiven for those sins on a daily basis so that we pursue holiness and God forgives us. That's one of the great gifts of being a Christian, is God forgiving us on a regular basis of the consequences of those sins. First uh, John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that means if we own them, admit them, don't blame it on our wife Our mother-in-law, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is an amazing gift we have. We simply confess, and God forgives and cleanses. That second part, uh, cleanses us, means there's some things you won't remember. You'll confess sin that you remember, but there's a whole bunch of things you did that you're not even aware of that you don't realize, and you forgot, and you forgot confess all known sin to god he forgives you of those sins and he cleanses you from the ones you can't remember he makes you righteous before him not on the basis of anything that you've done but simply on the basis of you verbally confessing i did it uh, there's no excuse i sin. god forgives and he cleanses and it's gone as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our sins from us is the deepest ocean he puts those sins he forgives never to remember them against us again but if you don't forgive he doesn't either Matthew 6:14 If you forgive men for their transgressions your heavenly father will also forgive you if you do not forgive men then your father will not forgive your transgressions That's pretty clear Mark 11:25 and whenever you stand praying forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your transgressions if you do not forgive neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions and so if you choose not to forgive someone you're bitter angry at them for what they did how they treated you what they said to you what they, how they cheated whatever it is it doesn't make any difference how small or how big how few or how many if you don't forgive then God will not forgive you Number six, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us, and we will not know what God's will is for our life. We will not know what God's will is for our life. The way it's described in numerous verses in the Bible is that we will be in the dark, as it were. That is, we can't see where we're going. I used to have a car that, uh, on, when the lights were on bright, it was good for about five minutes and then there was some kind of an internal fuse, and it got hot, and, the, and the, they would, the lights would go out. And then you simply hit the dimmer switch and put it on dim, and then it came back on, and it was fine. And so we were towing a boat, myself and three other guys, and one guy sitting in the front seat was sort of a spook, and I knew he was a spook. And so we're going down this windy road down towards the reservoir that we're going to fish at for three or four days. And... Uh, And I've got the lights on bright, and they went out. And it was dark, I mean, really dark. You could not see anything. And he's sitting next to me, and he literally screams. And I'm thinking, this is so fun. (laughs) I waited a little bit, and then I flipped them on dim, and they came on. And he didn't realize what was going on. And so there was another stretch of the road there. which was kind of on a little bit straighter, and I figured I could go for about three seconds, four seconds there, and I put it back on bright, and the lights went out, and he screams even louder. And I left it off for a while, and then I put it on dim, and they came back on. He says, what's, the, what, what's this with this car? I said, you scream just like a little girl. <laughs> he said, well. Yeah. and I said, I oh, think it's okay. So we go a little bit farther, and I put it back on bright, and it goes off again. And uh, So anyway, I had a lot of fun. What was he nervous about? He couldn't see. He didn't know where we were going. He thought we were going to run off the road, in the ditch, in the river, uh, dark. Did you know that hell is described as a place that's dark? And... Uh, the Bible says if God doesn't forgive you, you are in the dark. He hides his face from you. You don't know his will. Uh, Psalms 32:1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered? Psalms 32. This is a chapter in relationship to David and his sin with Bathsheba. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered? Same chapter. Verse 8: I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is what God's saying to David when he confessed his sin. Here is a blessing that you get because you confessed your sin. I will instruct you, teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Doesn't that sound cool? But if you have bitterness, that's not a verse for you. Just the opposite is true. Number seven, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us and the power of the Holy Spirit will not work in us and we will be powerless. We will be powerless. Ever run out of gas in your car? I have on numerous occasions, usually right after my wife drives my car. Patty has this thing, she doesn't believe in gas gauges so she never looks at it in which, you know, it's kind of oh it doesn't happen very often the cool thing about uh, AAA is patty has a AAA card and if she runs out of gas all she has to do is call that number and they will bring some gas and put it in her car and off she goes but when she drives my car and drives it till it's on bone dry and i don't look at it when i get in and i take off down the road and i run out of gas i say lord I love my wife. She is so wonderful. <sighs> Please give me patience. <laughs> one time we were driving. I didn't, It was my fault. We just took off at uh, about 1 o'clock in the morning. We were going to drive to the coast and go clamming, me and three buddies. And we went a route through the back that there was no gas stations, and I ran out of gas. It was 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so we drew straws over who was going to, Thumb a ride to the next closest gas station i got the short straw so the first car that came by they stopped and they said yeah need needs some help i said yeah i need a ride to the next gas station i got in the car it took me about 10 seconds to realize these dudes were just got uh, finished with a party and they were all totally drunk as a skunk and oh i thought And I said, "Uh, maybe I should walk. No, 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 you just sit there. We'll take you to the gas station. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to the gas station. And got there, and they said, we'll we'll wait for you. And when you get your gas tank, I said, that's fine. Go ahead. Uh, I'll be going to be a while. I'm going to rest here. You just go right on. Got my gas, and I got to ride the other way. And before I got in the car, this time I kind of looked around and sniffed. Okay, I think these guys are good. Got in and went back to the car. That was a big pain. Cars don't run without gas. You don't do very well without the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. It's one of the greatest gifts of being a believer is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, they're manifest in our life because of the Holy Spirit working in our life. And we have a key in our life that turns the power off. And that's bitterness. Ephesians 4.30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do you do that? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Let all bitterness. Bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit, and you will have no power. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, What's the worst thing about your Parkinson's? I said, the worst thing is it. I feel wimpy all the time. Uh, I hate feeling wimpy. But that's just the way it is. So I exercise, I ride my bike, I lift weights, I do things to try to compensate for. But it's just one of the things I just feel wimpy, weak, and uh, physical. Not that many consequence. Spiritual. If you're wimpy spiritually, there are serious consequences that will show up in your life. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit empowering you, living your life, uh, you're going to be spiritually wimpy and you're going to have all kinds of problems. Number eight, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us and our prayers will not get answered. Our prayers will not get answered. God won't listen to someone who has bitterness in their heart. I don't know if you saw it, here a week or two weeks ago, there was a fellow that was injured in one of the NFL football games, and uh, uh, he had a, his heart stopped. They did CPR, and they took him away. Both teams, everybody was on their knees, in the fo- and they filmed it. They actually put it on television, all these people praying, and all the commentators, they all said, praying, we're praying for him. I thought, I've never heard this much prayer talk on television in my life. Revival is going to break right out here in the middle of a football game. And I had this thought, I wonder how many of those fellows that are kneeling um, actually God listens to. And I thought, I bet not very many. Probably not very many, because there's a, a fairly long list of conditions set for God to listen and answer and work when we pray. Psalm 66, 18, If I have wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Wickedness, that word means bitterness. Isaiah 59, 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sins, that is the ones that he hasn't forgiven because you haven't forgiven. Number nine, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us, and we will experience the full consequence of our sin in this life. No mercy. So, I don't know if you knew this, but if you go into a grocery store or a hardware store or a sportsman's warehouse, everything in the store has a price tag on it. And you can look at the guns and you can look at the fishing rods and the lures and the boat stuff and all has a price tag on it. You know exactly what you have to pay to get anything in there. Every sin we commit has a price tag put on it by God. Every sin we commit has a just consequence established by God. Now, if we were to pay the full consequence of every sin we commit, uh, we'd not do well in life. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this is what he will reap. Hebrews 2, 2, for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable in every, listen to this, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. That is, there's a price attached to every sin you commit that you pay when you commit that sin. Hebrews 10:30 For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. James 2:12 So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what that means? that means if you forgive God will forgive if you don't forgive God won't forgive and then judgment will be merciless to you that is you will pay the full price of any and every sin you commit if you don't forgive others uh, from your heart for what they've done number 10 if we do not forgive others God will not forgive us and as a result we will feel depressed and sad and lose the joy of the Lord So there's a number of reasons people get depressed. Uh, some of it's medical, of um, hormones. Some of it's just loss. Uh, somebody dies or uh, it's, it's loss, any number of things. But one of the reasons, a major one, is because their sins have not been forgiven. The guilt that comes from sin that hasn't been forgiven will basically just steal every drop of joy in you. Psalms 38, 2, Your hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. My iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over, greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. That's the description of a person whose sins have not been forgiven. So if you don't forgive, God won't forgive. If you don't forgive and your sins are in you, unforgiven, you pay the full price of the consequence and the guilt that comes with that sin you will feel number 11 if we do not forgive others god will not forgive us and we will find ourselves to be tired and unmotivated most of the time so parkinson's makes me tired but i still function pretty good people who have cancer they get uh, chemotherapy they're tired exhausted Uh, there's all kinds of reasons why we get tired but one of the reasons why many get tired is because they have unforgiven sins in their life because they haven't forgiven others for that sin that's in us that's not forgiven it just totally saps the energy out of us I wonder I would, you know if we could know uh, I was talking to one of our doctors in our church I said what's the number one reason why people come to see you I mean is it cancer What what is it why do they come number one reason I mean way up Is they're tired. They're tired. I'm tired all the time. Must be something wrong with me. And so, can't find anything wrong. So, why are they tired? I would be willing to bet that most of them are tired because of sin in their life that hasn't been forgiven because they haven't forgiven. Psalms 31.10, my life is spent with sorrow, my years with sighing, my strength has failed me because of my iniquity. My strength has failed me because of my iniquity, my body has wasted away. Psalms 32.4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was drained away. My vitality, my energy was drained away. Number 12, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us and he will allow the devil and his demons free and easy access to our lives. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Did you know that if the devil didn't protect you, that he would kill you and could easily? But God protects us all as his children, and the only access he has is what God allows him to have. Uh, At periodic times, as far as testing in our life goes, like with Job, but when you don't forgive other people for their sins against you, then God just basically says to the demons around you, sick them, go get them. And they make your life miserable. They make your life miserable. Matthew 18, 34. You remember this parable? There's this dude that owes this guy an amount that's equal to the national debt. That's almost incomprehensible. Jesus tells it that way just to make a point. And he pleads with the guy that he owes the money to to forgive him, and he does. And then this guy that's forgiven, there's another guy that owes him the price of a cup of coffee. And he can't pay it and he doesn't forgive him of the debt. And so the guy that forgave this dude of this huge amount of money calls him back and says, hey, I forgive you of all that. You should have at least forgiven this guy that little amount. So I'm throwing you in jail and I'm going to let the torturers make your life miserable. And Jesus says in Matthew 18... The Lord, his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly father also do to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart, hand this over to the torturers. Kind of sounded like, yeah, I think I can handle that. God handing me over to the torturers. 13, if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us, and then we will experience the full consequence of our sin at the judgment seat of Christ. So when we get to the judgment seat of Christ at the end of our life, God's going to uh, hold us accountable, and we're going to get rewarded, and we're also going to experience some consequence. Not anything to do with in heaven or out. It's just what we will experience when we get to heaven in the way of rewards from him. 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed, recompense, rewarded for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, whether good or bad. Colossians three twenty four, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance that is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, that without partiality. So when I get to heaven and stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, and he opens up a book that has all the good things I've ever done with my life in it, he's gonna read them down and he's gonna give me rewards for all of those things. Then when he's finished there, he's gonna open up another book. This is the book of the sins I've committed. And you know what's gonna be in my book? Nothing. Nothing. It's going to be blank. Not because I didn't sin, but because they were all forgiven. And when they get forgiven, they get erased out. It's just going to be a book full of smudge marks. Because I confessed my sins and I forgave anybody of anything. And the reason, not because you deserve it, not because I like you, but because I don't want to experience the consequence. Of failing to forgive you one of those consequences is that when I sin it stays in the book and I stand before Jesus and he opens up the book some of you he may say okay everybody take a seat this is gonna take a while awful lot of sins in this person's book I don't know what the consequences are at the judgment seat of Christ for unforgiven sin but I don't want to find out I'll ask some of you (laughs) how did it go Better just to forgive anybody of anything, no matter how many times they've done it, no matter how bad it is. Otherwise, you experience some significant consequences in your life. Number 14, a key to purifying our souls and loving one another fervently from the heart is good preaching. That's the purpose of preaching the word of God is to teach this principle, this stuff, so that you hear it and it's communicated in such a way that you think, oh, wow, I better not have any bitterness in my life because i'll pay a bunch of prices first peter 1 again since you have an obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brother and fervently love one another from the heart you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable that is through the living and enduring word of god for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers the flower falls off the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the word which was preached to you. Preached to you. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to be his primary method of convicting, of teaching, and motivating and stirring us. Hebrews 4:12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, when you read about the Word of God in the Bible, there's two uh, definitions. One is, is what we read in the Bible, the Word of God. The other one is the preached Word. The preached Word. And this passage is not talking about what you would read in the Gospel of John or the book of James. It's talking about what somebody preaches to you. That word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know what I like to hear better than anything on the planet Earth? Pastor, you made me feel like dirt tonight. Ah, wow. Thank you, Lord. So if you feel like dirt, that means there was a conviction, an awareness, and usually there's a motivation to change. One of the 15, one of the major tools of God in our sanctification is good preaching and teaching of God's word. I don't like that because it puts an awful lot of pressure on me. Plus, I just assume not to be dependent on someone else, but that's just God's method. That's what he's chosen to do and how he has chosen to do it. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Paul is talking to Timothy, his protege. He's training him. He says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation. Now, remember, salvation has three definitions. First definition is we're saved from the penalty of sin. That's our salvation initially going to heaven. The third definition is we're saved from the presence of sin. That's when we go to heaven. The term salvation is used when we die or the Lord comes and we go to heaven. This is redemption. This is glorification. And then it talks about that's saved from the penalty of sin. This is saved from the presence of sin. And then between those two points, we are in the process of being saved from the power of sin, the control of sin. It's called sanctification. We're redeemed, sanctified, glorified. We're saved from the penalty of sin. We're saved from the power of sin. We're saved from the presence of sin. The word salvation is used all three ways in the New Testament. And so this place here ensures salvation both for yourself. Well, Paul's already saved going to heaven. Not talking about salvation, redemption. He's talking about salvation, sanctification. That is, you grow, you get over sin. Look at that. For as you do this, you will ensure, guarantee salvation, both for yourself and for those who hear you if you work at your preaching work at it persevere in it pay close attention to yourself 16 a very important ingredient in life-changing preaching is prayer by those who will hear the preaching for the one who will do the preaching so god makes everything in the church a symbiotic relationship you have responsibility. I have responsibility. And so when you do your thing, I do my thing better. And then you do your thing better. So here's how it works. You pray for me. I preach better. You grow more. You pray for me. I preach even better. And you grow even more. And you feel even more like dirt. <laughs> and uh, we just, it's a symbiotic relationship. See, the fact is, if you don't pray much, then it's tough to preach very well. So if you listen to me, pray for me. If you listen to Pastor Mike, pray for, pray for both of us regularly. Lord, those guys are, uh, they need a lot of help. Help them, Lord. Help them. Fill them with your spirit. Anoint them. Use them. Use them in my life. The more you pray, the better I'll do. The better I do, the more you'll grow. It's a basic rule of life. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Pray in the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Be devoted to prayer. Pray for me so that my preaching will be really, really good. When I was farming, an individual slandered me to some other people said some very very unkind things about me I heard about it and uh, then years later uh, I was probably 15 years later after I had started pastoring my dad had cancer and he wasn't going to live very long I went up I took two months off of pastoring went up lived with mom helped her nurse dad the last couple months of his life he had a half mile driveway coming up to their house and I was sitting on the bed with him and people would drive up the driveway and, and visit. And Dad's laying in bed, and he says, oh, so and so is coming up the driveway. What well, was that individual who had, years ago, slandered me? And when he said their name, I got instant heartburn. It was like this acid reflux thing where I just, my whole, I just burned from my mouth clear down to my stomach, just like that. And I I literally started shaking. And Dad went out into the living room where he always went. He said, you come in. I said, no, I'm going to stay in here. And so they chatted, and the person left. And I'm thinking, wow. I didn't know I had it that bad. So I did something. I prayed for them, and then I would have a thought that was bitter, and I would say, Lord, I choose to forgive this individual because you have forgiven me. That was all I'd say. And then a little bit later, that thought would pop up again, and I would say it again, and I would say it again, and I would say it again. It's like an iceberg. There's a whole lot under the surface we can't see, and so when we chop the top off, some more floats up, chop the top off, some more floats up, chop the top off, pretty soon, it's all gone. It took a while for me to repeatedly, over and over and over again, say, I choose to forgive because you've forgiven me. I went and did a a wedding service for a relative and uh, I was standing in line after the service to get my peanuts and uh, shake hands with people and this individual was standing behind me and I didn't know it and they said my name oh it's good to see you D as soon as they spoke I knew who it was and I just froze and I just sort of like okay what's going on in me I sort of listened to inside and i stood there for a minute and i thought huh i think i'm good i think i'm healed i don't feel anything i'm not shaking my heart didn't speed up no burning and i mean thank you jesus i turned around and said hey good to see you how you doing what's going on in your life had a nice conversation i drove home i told patty i says it feels so good to be free it feels so good to be free and i wasn't for a long time consequences of bitterness are terrible and so purify your heart that's a choice you make in order to love people because if you've got the poison in you the virus in you of bitterness you can't love you can't love And there's a whole bunch of other consequences that come into your life. It's a simple choosing. It's not an emotional thing. You just choose. It might take a while like it took with me over and over and over. I choose to forgive because you forgave me. I choose to forgive because you forgave me. And pretty soon, it'll be gone. And it doesn't matter how bad it is, how many times they've done it. You forgive because Jesus forgave you. That's the main and only reason. And if you do, then... You get all kinds of blessings from him and he uses you and you have power and he listens to your prayers and and it's just cool there's nothing that is more valuable to us than the forgiveness of God and the power of God and we just mess that all up when we choose not to forgive because of the seriousness or the badness or how bad we feel whatever the reason but we just have to choose to do it because it's what God asks us to do fervently love one another from the heart because you have chosen to make your heart clean let's pray together Lord thank you thank you for loving us thank you for forgiving us thank you for cleansing us making us pure and holy and righteous simply on the basis of our confessing and uh, you've asked us to Forgive others in the same way that you've forgiven us. We often struggle with that. I would pray that each one of us, Lord, here tonight, you will help us to do that. We'll understand how critically important it is in our walk with you to be those who forgive and to forgive quickly. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.